I drove east across the Claiborne Avenue Bridge on the first Friday night in November 2007, two years after the storm that devastated this city. My hometown. My New Orleans. As I came upon the Lower Ninth Ward, there was an extraordinary amount of traffic headed in the same direction as me. They're coming to see the play, I thought. The play was Waiting for Godot, Samuel Beckett's immortal, absurdist drama about two tramps, Vladimir and Estragon, living in a wasteland and waiting for a savior who may or may not come. The play, which Beckett wrote inspired by the agonies of Nazi-controlled Paris, deals with abandonment and the struggle inside all of us between hope and despair. Paris had the Nazi occupation. New Orleans had Hurricane Katrina. We New Orleanians knew abandonment. We knew what it was like to struggle for a lifeline of hope in the midst of a maelstrom of despair. God knows that we who had to deal with FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, knew absurdity. Nobody in the city knew it more intensely than the people of the Lower Ninth Ward. For a long time after the storm, if you drove over the Claiborne Avenue Bridge into the neighborhood, you plunged into a void, both physical and existential. There was nothing but a sea of night where once a thriving neighborhood had been. It was the abyss, a black hole of death and desolation, and a darkness so intense that many in New Orleans feared no light could ever overcome it. On the morning of August 29, 2005, Katrina gashed the levee in two places north of the bridge, which traverses the Industrial Canal, the economically vital artery for shipping from the Mississippi River to Lake Pontchartrain, and via two other man-made canals, out into the Gulf of Mexico. Millions of gallons of water washed through the Lower Ninth Ward. Scores of houses were toppled from their concrete pillars, a barge barreled over or through the levee, nobody can say for sure, crushing houses and cars. Hundreds of people drowned, as the twenty-foot wall of water flattened everything in its path. It was biblical. In a single morning, a historic African-American neighborhood of 14,000 souls, among them the city's poorest, ceased to exist. Gone were the places that people lived, worked, shopped, prayed, visited, loved. Days later, after the water receded, there was nothing left but ruins and corpses. In the heat and moisture of South Louisiana, Weeds, vines, and trees rapidly consumed the desolate lots and sidewalks. Rattlesnakes and cottonmouths moved in, chasing the rats that overran backyards where children once played and stoops where families used to barbecue. Sometimes packs of wild dogs owned the streets. The few residents able to return not only had to fight nature just to hold their ground, but also lived in fear of predatory rapists and other savages lurking in the rotten ruins and dark thickets that used to be a neighborhood. This happened in one of the great American cities, or what was left of it. I knew intimately the agony of the people of the Lower Ninth Ward. Six miles north of the neighborhood, where the Industrial Canal meets the lake, the district of the city where I grew up, Pontchartrain Park, the first African-American middle-class subdivision in New Orleans, had been virtually annihilated when a breach in a different canal to the west 
caused the neighborhood to fill with water up to the rooftops. Built in the mid-1950s, as the wall of segregation was beginning to crack, Pontchartrain Park symbolized the opening of the American dream to black folks in New Orleans. People like Althea and Amos Pierce, my schoolteacher mother, and my photographer father, who in 1955 bought a modest ranch home there and started a family. Like their neighbors, Daddy and T, as we called our mother, lost everything in the flood. Like so many New Orleanians, from the upscale white enclave of Lakeview to the hard scrapple black lower ninth ward, Daddy and T washed up on solid ground far from home, mourning and weeping in their Baton Rouge refuge, wondering if they would ever make it back. The world post-Katrina was a hard time for my city. The hardest time. For people who didn't live through it, no words can fully express the pain, the rage, the grief, and the futility we New Orleanians felt. For the people who did, words seemed like a feeble protest against a relentless night without end. How do you go on when you are bone-tired and broken down by a world where nothing makes sense, and there's no direction forward that leads to anywhere but the ditch or the grave? How do you embrace a life in which everything and everyone you knew and loved has been taken away and may never return, and nobody else cares? How do you live through today when you fear there's no tomorrow?